everything in business is a gamble. People generally buy people. It's genius! We want an education. What you're thinking, can you get the buy-in? Buy-in, buy-in. You're listening to Forest FM, the salon business show with your host, Zoe Below Springer. For your industry, by your industry. The 30 Days to Grow Salon Challenge, the Thrive Edition, is soon coming to an end, at least for those who started on June 1st. And as promised, we've got some more insights from past Forced FM conversations lined up to help you work through week three and week four. In a similar format to last week, we'll run through challenges 14 to 27, with the exception of Win Wednesday and Feel Good Friday, meaning that specifically we'll be covering Marketing Monday, Team Tuesday, Think Digital Thursday, self-care Saturday, and strategy Sunday. But before we do, for those listening to this right now who've never heard of 30 Days to Grow before, I want to play a few clips from an interview we've done with salon owner Stacey Collier of Maine Salon Basingstoke in the UK, during which she was revisiting her first weeks of lockdown and discussed her thoughts on the challenge. Um, So this was about last year's challenge, last year's 30 Days to Grow, the Quarantine Edition, which focused on helping salon owners and their teams plan their reopening strategy and put their brand at the forefront of their clients' minds. We got involved with 30 Days to Grow as a new client, actually. So 30 Days to Grow was kind of like that template, if you will, of like every week, right, okay, cool. We're starting a new week. This is what we're doing now. So I really enjoyed it. I mean, obviously, it was nice that you weren't locked into it. And it was more like, you know, if you want to get involved that week, you can or you don't. Forest itself is such a community. And that's how I view the industry anyway. Like, yeah, I just think it's been really good. It's just connected everyone. Other than that, I really liked the um, showing your appreciation for someone. And it's one of those simple things like saying something nice to someone can change their day. And you just don't know the mental health that someone's going through on that day. The pay it forward was such a constant reminder that your fans and your clients and your supporters are there like they're out there right now and I just think you guys need to keep doing what you're doing like the support is great and yeah it's just a salon software or hub if you like that benefits staff, team, salon and clients. So I'm going to try to keep this um, episode on the insights to help you thrive for the second half of the challenge a little shorter than the first one, making it maybe a little easier for you guys to navigate through the episode and find exactly what you need to either unblock you at any stage or give you some inspiration for the daily challenges that make up week three and four of the Thrive Edition. So first up, Marketing Mondays. Week three's Marketing Monday challenged you to think about your salon's USP, your unique selling proposition. So taking the time to understand what that is for your salon is actually crucial to your marketing strategy, and it will help you avoid the trap of trying to please everyone. It's about, you know, finding what is what is it about you that that is special? What is it about you that makes you stand out? Being the best salon in the area is too vague. It's too subjective. So um, the challenge gave you a framework to work through some of your ideas. And here are some of my favorite conversations we've had on the show before, highlighting some of the USPs um, your salon could potentially have. Of course, you might not relate to those, but the idea is to help spark a reflection about your own brand. And sometimes hearing others talk about what they're all about can help us see how we stand out. 
The first set of clips that we'll be playing actually come from two separate episodes, but they're very much related on the same theme, actually. So first, you'll hear from Professor Denise Baden on sustainability and motivating eco-friendly behaviors in the salon industry. And that was episode 125. And right after that, you'll be hearing from James Alba on how to be a more sustainability conscious salon. That was episode 204. I think it's a misunderstanding that to be eco-friendly, you have to spend more money. In fact, usually it's the reverse. I think there's been some research that says 1% investment in behavior change leads to 10% reduction in costs. Hairdressers probably use more electricity and chemicals and waste than most other industries. And they also talk to more people than probably most other occupations. So they're really well placed to make substantial savings in their carbon footprint, but also advise their clients on how they can make savings. And that's very important because when you look at research in how to sort of get people to behave more sustainably, you find that the biggest predictor of behavior isn't necessarily their attitudes or their knowledge, it's what they did before, it's their habits. We did a survey of close on 800 clients and we asked them, where do your hair habits come from? And we found most of them came from the hairdresser. And would you like your hairdresser to talk to you about these kinds of issues, environmental issues, you know, healthy hair care issues? And, you know, the vast majority said yes. That's one of the reasons we launched the Sustainable Salon Certification. So it's free. Really, like I said, all the um, stylists need to do is go through the virtual salon and that proves them that they've been exposed to all the information and ideas and tips. And then once a salon stylist is certified, they can then self-certify as a sustainable salon and, and tick all the practices they're engaged in. And then they've got a nice little certificate they can put up in their salon. And then we promote them as well. So we promote them via social media. Hopefully that should be of interest to any salon owner who wants to save money, feel they're sort of being environmentally responsible and be in tune with what what clients want want to, to do, want to know about. It's not about just shopping local. It's going to be about shopping intentional. And the eco salon component, whether you call yourself an eco salon or not, it's just going to be that that mantra and that company message internally is going to be just as important as being on the outside signage. Communicating that message to your staff and clients is where most places fall off. So it's just the plan of action, just like anything else you you would do that would increase your um, environmentalism and decrease your carbon footprint just takes a little bit of planning and it may not happen overnight unless, unfortunately, unless you had the money like Jeff Bezos does to just flip a switch. If you can learn how to be good at the retail component, that frees up other profits that aren't attached to a body per se. The starters, easiest thing that they can do tomorrow, go to Ecoheads, our friends at Ecoheads, make this really funky um, basin spout that goes on that reduces your water usage at the sink by 70%. And the people that I've experienced start something on the activism side. Now, if running a sustainable salon hasn't yet become a USP for you, perhaps running a gender-affirming salon space is. And so the next clips that you'll hear are from Kristen Rankin, the founder of the Dress Code Project, and Lauren Wilde, who's an ambassador for the Dress Code Project, but also a salon owner and educator based out of Canada. And that was episode 203. Salons, as we, I think we know, um, this industry, can it is very gendered, like they're it very much is about the binary. From the very get-go, we have men's and women's haircuts set out as the standard. And so that's almost set a tone a little bit for what else will happen in a salon. You know, I think historically, 
People who identified as women would go to salons. People who identified as men would go to barbershops. I think that gender-inclusive salons are definitely the way of the future for, in terms of diversity within our industry. Being aware and having the training of your front desk person. Running a gender-affirming salon in a safer space is really important because everyone deserves to have access to a salon that is inclusive and offering services that cater to them. Changing our services was a big part of it, um, just to show that we are supportive and we support this initiative in our industry. That includes changing our language even every day in the salon, you know, welcoming our clients without um, specific pronouns. Even the communication between stylists, we're very attentive about um, labeling our client with a gender. And it makes a big difference for the client experience for someone that has sought us out for this type of space. Week four's Marketing Monday was all about dipping your toes into paid social media advertising. Given how much the consumer behavior has changed over the past year and a half with COVID, having a paid social media advertising strategy to work alongside the organic one that you already have and hone in on is going to be a must for salons to track clients and generate substantial ROI from those platforms. So ask yourself the following. Are you posting because you like to and you hope that people will see and like what you post? Or are you hoping to get your business to the next level and get new people in your salon? And also, do you know exactly what will make new clients click on your ads? Part of that Marketing Monday challenge was to listen to a Forest FM episode specifically on the matter. So episode 197 with Richard Gibbons. So what I'll play here instead are some clips from other of the social media themed interviews we've had on the show before. The first set of clips you'll hear come from Jennifer Swain on the importance of social media in the industry. That was episode 82. And it was all about discussing how to maximize every opportunity you have to reach your target market. You know, the, the thing that people need to do with their salons, with their social media is there is a lot of competition out there. There's salons opening every day, hair and beauty salons. And people need to harness the power of their social media with regards to showing what they do that's different from the salon that's down the road or around the corner, you know, to showcase that they may have different treatments, um, to showcase their staff, because essentially people buy from people. There's no point in doing social media just because everybody's doing it. That's not what it's about anymore. It was that way at the beginning. But I think now people see the power of it. They see that they get results from it. They see that they get sales and they see more money in the till. So it's essential in business now. The whole point behind social media, in my mind, is it's to educate, to entertain and to give people information and to have interaction between you and your clients. And then that's when social media really works. Whereas if you're always just about the hard sell, um, people will get bored with it. They won't, you know, so you know, I, would, I would always tell people that you have to educate and entertain. So your social media is a fantastic way of showcasing the human side of your business. Um, and then that in turn will drive business, will drive traffic to your website. So you have to use it in a very clever way. And then it's a circle. Then they all, you know, drive business to each other. And that then gets business in the door. Consistency is so important in social media. So defining your goals, sitting down and doing a plan Monday to Sunday of what you're going to post every day. 
Like there's so many different platforms, but you have to, even if maybe you don't know exactly where your clients are, you have to decide which ones you're going to harness the power of. Give it a try. Count everything. Check your analytics. If something isn't working, don't continue it and don't waste your time and your money and move on to another one. Make sure that your social media does two things. Um, one is to build brand awareness and two is to drive traffic to your website and to your booking system. Next, I said we were going to play clips from episodes that had social media at the heart of the interview. Uh, however, this one is a bit of an exception, I guess. Um, so apologies for that. Louis Grenier on using customer feedback as an opportunity for growth. That was episode 96 of Forced FM. And I think in this particular case, understanding your customer feedback, understanding how to gather that feedback and how to react to it in a positive way is going to be key um, as you build your paid social media advertising strategy and more specifically your ads you can't afford not to ask for feedback feedback should be about people telling you what they think about your business about you uh, about what you should improve uh, about what is great that you should do more of it doesn't really matter the channel or the format as long as you're listening to what people have to say you shouldn't take feedback personally for, for sure uh, you should really try to dissociate yourself from what they tell you about your business and what it is about yourself. It's never about yourself. It's always about the business. And you should dig deeper into the why behind all of that. And there's always a good reason. And even if you think this person is quote unquote emotional or not rational, well, that's the way they think. And you can't control that. What you can control is the way you react to it. So it's about, I think, more than just asking the right question. It's really about being curious. If they start telling you something that they have in their, in, their, in their mind and that they feel in their heart, then you just need to keep asking. So if they say, you know, I really, I'm, I don't really like going to the salon anymore, you know, okay, why? What's happening? Well, I'm not, I don't know if I should say, but I, I'm not, I'm, I don't like the staff too much anymore. Okay, what do you mean? Can you tell me more? Well, actually, there's one person in the staff I don't really, I can't really stand. Uh, they're being very mean to me or whatever it is, right? So by just being curious and asking the right question, which is always why, 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 you can drill into the deeper problems that you can solve. And finally, to wrap up the Marketing Monday segment, we have Angela Anderson on connecting with your audience using social media storytelling. So clips from that episode, episode 136. Um, and this will also help you craft your ads. So um, I would strongly recommend taking some notes. If you don't have a pen and paper on hand, maybe just take some notes on your phone. Number one, I always say, tell a story. Uh, the best marketers, I always say, they relate to people on an emotional level and they're telling stories because th that's what people remember. They're not remembering the formulas that you used or the facts. They're remembering something that pulls on a heartstring or uh, connects with them personally. And number two, describing your client. So again, uh, describe the people who are in your target market, what their lifestyle looks like, what they do for work. Um, and people like them are naturally going to be attracted to that. Um, and then number three is for the pictures of you, which I always recommend show up as yourself, be authentic. That's what these influencers are doing. You know, it's okay to not be absolutely perfect online because we're not, you know, we're human. And so showing, uh, your struggles, your flaws, show up as you show pictures of your face, do videos, people will totally uh, resonate with that more than like trying to put on this picture perfect facade because no one is perfect. 
Um, so just tell us about you. Tell us who you are, what you do, how you got into this industry, why you love your salon, and just share about you. Be a, be authentic and people will absolutely love it. And then number four, I always say like for those pictures of your salon space or of you or a little bit of behind the scenes, recap your thoughts or your feelings or what you've learned this week or what you're grateful for and just make it more personal. And it's funny because people are always really hesitant to do that um, just to kind of share what's on their mind. But that's the content that does absolutely best. Next segment, Team Tuesdays, for which week three really focused on observing employees' behavior, reviewing the data, so KPIs, if you are a Forest client, using Forest Go to do that, and then pointing out performance opportunities, because as a leader, it's your responsibility to plug those performance gaps. Um, and then week four focused on identifying your team's magic, and then to write your quote-unquote brag statement. So for example, my team is fun and friendly, and they make strangers feel like old friends. I'm proud of how much they care. Or uh, my team is reliable and empowered. We can discuss anything. And because we all feel respected, we figure it out. So we've got three sets of clips for this uh, Team Tuesday segment. The first one comes from Heather Yurko on determining the health of your salon and spa KPIs. Um, that was episode 77. Heather Yurko is the founder of PIP University in the US. And um, we were talking about all things KPIs, essentially how, what she tracks, why she tracks them, what makes a good KPI versus one that just takes up space, doesn't require as much focus. Um, so a few insights from that episode. And obviously, if you want to learn more, um, you can always check out that in full on your preferred podcasting platform. There's several factors that go into um, giving us clues to our businesses being healthy. So there, there are several, but I chose two. And the first one is when we have healthy businesses, that says that our guests are receiving wonderful experiences and they're getting really great customer service. And then the second thing that, you know, kind of tells us about the health of our business is that our artists are really showing up as the experts that they should be for our guests that deserve it. And then when they come to the salon, are we executing certain behaviors that will keep them coming back? So there is a lot that numbers can tell us from the way that our team behaves in the salon and the way that our guests feel when they're in our salon. There's numbers that speak to that. We look at the guest count per month. So how many guests are actually coming into the salon or how many guests are sitting in their chairs per month, per quarter? I mean, you can do this per day, but that's one of the ones that we use. And then we look up your service per service ticket. So that's essentially the average money that a guest is spending per service they get in your chair or in your salon as a whole. So you essentially just take up your service sales and divide those by the amount of guests. And that gives you the average amount that a guest is spending in services. Then we do the same thing for retail. So how much retail an artist sells or how much retail a salon sales sells divided by the amount that of guests come in. And then the last one that we study is pre-booking. There are so many salon owners and it breaks my heart 
because they live in a state of anxiety and fear and worry because their salons are not profitable because they're barely hanging on. And it doesn't have to be that way. It really doesn't. It takes you educating yourself, walking through a hella ton of fear and doing what's courageous and brave. And when you can do that and education and service is in the middle I really do believe that you can be a force that's unstoppable. So this is what it comes down to surrounding yourself with people that are smarter than you and educating yourself and being of service. And when you do that, that is a recipe for a miracle to happen. Less about numbers and more about team culture, I guess. Uh, Nadine Quinn and Carla McQuillan on how salon culture drives success. In this episode, episode 92, we talked about how building a strong company culture isn't an easy thing. But then we also talked about the impacts it could have if you uh, invest more time into developing a salon culture, a great salon culture. In these clips, Nadine and Carla give a few examples and talk through essentially just how things run in their business. It's such a physically demanding job that actually we really felt that for us, we needed to look after the the employees or our team. They're not even our employees in our eyes, but our team force. Because if we look after a mind, then everything else just flows from there. And we, we just really... We felt like that was the way we we needed to work forward because we had come up against these problems all through the years and they were the reasons that maybe we left employers or maybe we were unsatisfied. Trying to make sure that they're fulfilled in more elements than just feeling like they come into work and that they're just in the service industry and that the only reason we want them there is to generate profits. Like for us, that just wasn't enough. We schedule every staff member in paid 15 minutes earlier every morning. So some mornings we start at 10, some mornings we start at 9. So they get paid 15 minutes ahead of start time, ahead of their first client. And we'll all meditate for 15 minutes. And that, I think, is the fundamental of our, our culture because that's everybody in. It doesn't matter who's been dropping kids, who has financial problems, who has relationship problems, who has a family member sick, whose children's not well. It gets everybody in. Everyone gets the opportunity to declutter, to lower their heart rate, to refocus, to feel safe, feel secure, feel supported. And then everyone is triggering all those lovely areas of their brain that are responsible for stress management and they're responsible for like their emotional intelligence. They're, they know that and they're equipped now that when challenges arise during the day that they can deal with them as best as possible. They're all more intuitive, more all more empathic, all more compassionate. And we start every day from that place, which is really unusual to probably most other workplaces where people just come in from whatever turbulence they might have and are expected just to get straight into this this demanding um, kind of a workplace. And actually work you spend 70% of your life in and it's actually the biggest contributor to, to stress in people's lives. So if that's the environment that's giving you the time to prioritise yourself, your wellness, your well-being, then you're going to, you're, you're like the kind the the relationship you're going to build with your with your um, work is is totally different to 
a possible relationship that can kind of be resentful of who you work for because you might feel like I'm only lying in their pockets. I'm only a number. I'm a, a, like I've, n- I've no relationship, but you, you don't you don't feel prioritized. So the difference between a human feeling feeling valued and prioritized by their company and not is extreme. Like that's really the root of disconnect. What? Why are your are your employees not working for you, for your message, for your values, for your goals? Well, are you working for them? I think our turnover staff is going to be really minimised because nobody want. Why would they leave? Where would they go? Would they get all those lovely elements anywhere else? They believe and embody our message so much that they it feels like a family more so than a than a just a place of work. So it serves, it, it, like, we get great return on it. It's not necessarily, like, a, a return we can measure. Yeah. But it's most certainly there. And finally, back to KPIs, you're going to hear from Helen Ward on using KPI data to assess staff performance. So this episode is, um, well, obviously we do discuss in the full episode, we do discuss, you know, the KPIs that Helen um, and her team track. But in these clips, you'll hear more about the importance of understanding the data and, and most importantly, understanding the context, because Numbers without context are just that, numbers. And, um, you know, looking at figures alone, you won't get, uh, I guess, a holistic view of the employee's performance. um, And it'll give you the wrong overview or the wrong assessment. So you'll be hearing a few key nuggets from that episode with Helen. First of all, let's just go back to what KPIs mean. Key performance indicators. So, you know, Making sure, but the, th- the key to the success of, of, of how you gauge your KPIs is making sure that you track the same few things that they all understand, but you track them consistently. The whole point about KPIs is making sure that we make performance rewarding. And what we must make sure we don't do is make non-performance rewarding. And that's, that's the key thing, i.e., if I perform... Will I get more or will I get the same as if I don't perform at all? If you look at any of the KPIs individually, they don't give you the true picture. So you need to look at all five and look at them as a whole um, sum of the parts. You know, you need to look at all of them and the answers for the performance will be there somewhere. If you can interpret the information correctly, which is where it goes wrong, it's the interpretation of it, then the answers are all there for them and for you. And is it important? Yes, more so uh, now, because people need to be in charge of their own success. So they almost grow up as they move through your team, understanding what those five things that you're going to assess their performance on are and how you track them and then how you communicate the performance back to them. If you're teaching your team all the time consistently how to make the most of every client that they have, you almost uh, make your life so much easier. Next up is a Think Digital Thursday segment. For this theme day of the week in the 30 Days to Grow Challenge, week three, the focus was dependent on the region you were based in. So for the UK, Ireland and Australia, it was about plugging the revenue gap from social distancing measures in the salon. The challenge specifically was to figure out what your H2 or second half of 2021 deficit might look like against your figures from 2019, so pre-pandemic. Comparing it to 2020 would be very difficult and a bit 
bit skewed. Then it was about planning to plug the deficit with additional revenue from selling your retail stock online. And to help you through this, the best tool that I can give you uh, on this episode is actually to direct you to Forrest's post-lockdown revenue calculator. You can find that tool at forrest.com forward slash salon hyphen calculator. And you just have to fill out the fields, hit calculate, and that's going to give you what your updated retail targets should look like. If you're based out of Canada or the US, then the focus was on humanizing your brand. And once again, I won't play clips on this specifically. Uh, That being said, we do have an episode or two on the topic that are linked in the further resources section of the challenge for that day. On to week four. The challenge was to move one step closer to becoming a paperless salon with a strong focus on digital consultation forms. The clips I've lined up for this segment are once again, not specifically uh, tied to digital consultation forms, but rather because this is a segment about thinking digital, they're tied to the general importance of embracing digital advancement and technology to grow your business. The first set of clips come from Derek Anthony on growing a seven-figure business using mobile technology. Now, his personal objective for the salon was to run everything from his mobile phone. That might not be your objective, and that's okay. But I've selected the uh, segments of the episode where he talks about the importance of setting time to think about how you can move forward and move things to digital. He talks about modernization and how communication was actually one of the vital pieces to uh, the salon's next stage of business growth. So very interesting episode. I would actually recommend listening to it in full, but if you only have a few more minutes to dedicate to Forest FM, then uh, you can check out these insights here. The second set of clips that are going to play right after that come from the beauty powerhouse, Jana Ronert, CEO and founder of Image Skincare, who's also just recently joined the Forest Board of Directors. And on that episode, she talks about the need for the industry to embrace technology as soon as possible. How do we modernize the way that we run and operate a hair salon? And how does the employee experience something that is technologically based and modern and kind of sexy and cool? And how does that attract them to want to work for us, to want to stay working for us? And then on the flip side of it, how do you modernize the client um, experience? And what does it look like, whether it's a seamless check-in, check-out, whether it's a seamless booking of an appointment, whether it's the way that we can communicate with the client virtually? Um, think about how many times you have called a company and been frustrated because you can't speak to a human. You know, I, we wanna be careful about that, but at the same time, if you have this massive flood of people all contacting at once, then obviously, unless you're maybe a massive chain that has a call center or something like that, you can't even have the manpower to handle that influx of calls. So you're taking this tidal wave and you're trying to like Coke bottle it, you know, down this little funnel, and that can be a big challenge. The whole thing too is I want my team and the people that work for our brand and our company to be excited about what we're doing and to know that we're on a destination that that if, if the business was a bus or a train, that they're they're really comfortable and they trust where we're going and where we're driving them, quote unquote. So that's a really important part of growth. And if your company isn't growing on a consistent basis and if mm-hmm. it's not evolving or well, then I, I believe that you're falling back, even if you don't feel like you are. You have to think about how you're going to open up your time so that you can focus on these kind of things. Because for me, taking two hours to focus on what we're talking about is just as, if not more important than taking two hours of clients. Um, I'm gonna give you a little bit of a kick in the pants if you're listening right now and you're on pen and paper. 
it's time to move from pen and paper, you know, and I'm giving you a lovely, loving, big hug and then a slight elbow, you know, because it's like you got to get with the times, right? It's chop, chop, hook. Yeah, exactly. It is 2020. Um, you know what? It's okay if you're on paper today as you're listening to this. But what I would say is now that you're in the know and now that you've started to understand, okay, wait a minute, I need to start to make a shift. It won't be okay next month if you're still on paper or at least if the, let's say the process isn't in motion, because we all know that sometimes these things take time. I try to just focus on the end goal and the joy of what will happen when I get there. And that just helps me push through some of the pain that it's going to take along the way. I think it was due. I think it was coming. People know they can work more efficiently with more technology. And I think salons are so used to servicing people and creating an experience. The technology has always been on the back burner for them. It's, oh, that sounds great, but we don't need to do it. Or, oh, by the way, there's a lot of things out there, but we're, we're not really ready for it. We don't want to invest in it. And I think those salons that choose not to invest in it will probably be left behind in the industry. For Self-Care Saturday, we were talking in week three about nutrition. And week four, we were talking about um, the importance of stretching and exercising. Specifically, we had uh, challenges provided from experts in their own fields. So for the Self-Care Saturday, week three was nourish and care. And the challenge was provided by chef and nutrition expert Ashling O'Mara. And the challenge was simply to plan your meals for a week and do your grocery shop from the plan. Then in week four, we were talking about moving your body and the challenge was set by Rachel Page, salon owner, business coach, educator and co-founder of the Healthy Hairstylist, um, which you can also follow on Instagram at Healthy Hairstylist XO. In addition to those challenges, we've lined up clips from two past Forest FM episodes right here today. Um, the first one being episode 70, Aaron Carroll on healthy lifestyles and work-life balance. So we've got some advice uh, from Aaron on how to juggle the demands of your salon work and the rest of your life. And immediately after that, you'll be hearing from James Parnell on episode 85. He was talking about managing your energy and getting stuff done. So strategies to do that and just tips and tricks to things to think about, you know, on on not necessarily nutrition based, but more about understanding how your body works, your body clock works. Things tend to have a ripple effect when you're working within such a close knit people based industry. You don't only have your own stresses on a daily basis. You you also have to be an open ear. You listen to what other people are going through. And as well as having to try and run your own business, you might be also working as a therapist. You might be doing working as a receptionist. You might be doing all these things on a daily basis where you're you're multitasking, you're putting all this added pressure on yourself. One of the most important things is um, working on stretching the front of your shoulders um, and creating stronger posterior shoulders so everything at the back then that'll help you stand taller and help correct some of those issues that'll probably end up hurting your back in the future so what I always say is if you are putting any exercise regime into play always try and do two to one posterior to anterior so if you're doing any push movements 
always do double the amount of pull movements. What you want is as much stability in your lower back as possible and you want to be strong and then you want your upper back, your shoulders to be as loosey-goosey as possible um, and that'll help with that, being on your feet all day, being in that slight hunched over position. If you can implement one or two things like that on a day-to-day basis, even three times a week, that'll help reverse that poster you see in the doctors of the person making their way down to the ground. My number one tip when it comes to nutrition is try to abolish negative and positive relationships with food. Building positive and negative relationships with food makes people give up and it doesn't empower anybody. So nobody actually has the right idea or understanding of their body. I always say do what makes you happy first and foremost. Like a lot of this stuff, if something you're doing doesn't make you happy, um, there's other things you can do. You can go for that walk. You can do a few quick workouts at home if needs be. It just depends on how relative it is to you and your circumstances. Every different role and and, uh, every different career has a certain amount that you probably can't predict and can't control. And that could be, you know, 20% of your workday, it could be 90%. So the the key question then is, what are you doing with the 10% that you can control? How are you thinking? Are you using that 10% to look at the unpredictability and see how you make that better? There is plenty of time, right? Because if you did an analysis of what you do during the week, say, or every week, you're probably spending... 8 to 15 hours on stuff that you wouldn't classify as being important to you and neglecting then stuff that is. The change occurs at a tiny level um, every day or whatever. So you, you ultimately have to decide, okay, how would that big goal be achieved? If I'm looking at myself in a year's time and I finished the marathon, what were the things that I did to run that marathon? And you know, you, you got up on the mornings where you didn't want to get up. Yeah, a lot of people think of productivity as, as, as getting more done, but I like to think of it in, in the opposite way. So it's how can you actually do less and get more value out of it? How can you make your life, life easier? So, so what is the 20% of what I do now that really changes things for me, that really makes an impact with my client or my business or my relationships or whatever? And focus on the things that really have an impact and try and minimize all of the rest. Use the acronym MARCH to, to help with this. So M is your mission or your career or your, your work. A is also uh, everything that's adventure or leisure or all those dreams you have um, about learning and new experiences and everything else. Or as relationships, um, C is contribution and connection. And, and then H is health, right? So you might just think about all those areas and have a big picture view. The only thing that matters Uh, when you're talking about energy rhythms and everything else is you need to be aware and listen to what your body is telling you and respect it. Finally, Strategy Sunday. Depending on the region you're in, you would have received slightly different challenges for uh, week four, but both week three and week four talked about business strategy, so reviewing or setting your business strategy for the remaining half of the year, and also uh, getting into the habit of reviewing your numbers, um, tracking your KPIs, and understanding them with the context. Uh, so we've got a few clips lined up for that. I won't separate them you know, per week, because they can both help you. Uh, the first set of clips you'll hear come from Jen Baudier on operating salons with a profit first mindset, episode 188. And the second set of clips come from Jill Higginbotham on management fundamentals that drive salon success. Two great episodes to listen to in full, strongly recommend. But here are some of the key insights from both. 
We cannot be behind the chair and operate a salon at a high level. You know, most salons are like zero to five percent profits at the end of the day. Like salons, we're payroll heavy and then we're expense heavy, you know, because someone is always needing something. We're always out of foils or gloves or whatever the case is. And so it's just this cash eating monster. We're lucky if we pay all the bills, pay our people. And then at the end of the day, like there might be a penny or two left and we might take that. And so just this whole idea of planning ahead and even taking it first was like, what? So often we're taught we're going to charge whatever our neighbor salon charges. Well, yeah. how, why are we trusting this person to run our business? <laughs> and so literally it's most of the time it's because their pricing is so low. I mean, you, you can't survive on a $30 haircut. It's just impossible. So that's literally mainly the, the part where you find money is like just charging their, an hourly rate what it takes your salon to operate. Every other week, they're going to sit down. Everything that comes into their income account, they're going to move a percentage from that income into their profit. That same sitting from income into payroll and tax account. And that same sitting, they're going to move a percentage into their owner's tax account because the business is going to pay taxes on their behalf. And then whatever's left is going to move into their operating account. And so that income account is going to be zero every two weeks. It really allows you to look at that operating account and say, okay, well, I have $1,000 for the next two weeks to operate my business, or I have $10,000. It's literally like our grandparents did. Like when they cashed their check, they didn't have debit cards. They didn't write checks freely. They literally cashed their check. They had a bunch of envelopes, the mortgage envelope, the vacation envelope, the grocery envelope, and then like whatever else. Seems like a wild business practice, but it's really not. It's old. Everyone can only handle really three things. You're going to spend 90% of your time focusing on three things. So we call it the rule of three. In the beginning, there were certain things that I thought, well, this isn't my area um, and I need to have someone do that. But I think it does come down to six key business drivers that uh, we can all take a look at. And so number one is management. So it's managing yourself. It's managing others. That second driver is going to be money management. We all know financials. That's day-to-day financials, your P&Ls, like just basic money management. Mm-hmm. Marketing and sales. So your sales, your social media, your PR, uh, people and productivity training and development and quality of staff. So that's developing your people. Uh, so that would be like education. Um, that would be like all of your systems for your staff, maybe your level systems. Uh, product and service operations. So that's going to be your quality and your quantity. Definitely whoever um, kind of does the ordering would fall under this umbrella. And then process and systems. So this is like your daily operations, your daily systems that run your business. So I see those as your six key drivers. Um, And I think it's once you break them down, it makes your business easier. Um, it's, It's learning how to delegate and teach people how to really, yeah, be an extension of you and how they deal with your staff. We talk about numbers and performance every day, but they also know what the salon goal is. So the Mm -hmm. entire team's goal for services and for retail. And we talk about whether we met those goals and the cross-selling percent and stuff like that. So they're always in the know in the daily meetings on that. But because of that, when I bring them into their formal one-on-ones, they pretty much know where they sit with their goals. If your quality starts to dip, it probably means you're too busy, Mm. right? And you don't have enough hands to handle the load that you have. I really think you'll notice the minute that quality dips just a little bit, that is the time to say, wait a minute, I need to bring someone up. 
I sincerely hope that the 30 Days to Grow Salon Challenge Thrive Edition is going well for you, your team, your salon, and that you're seeing results, that you're having fun with it. On our next episode, you'll be hearing from a salon owner based out of Alberta, Canada on uh, their experience with this year's edition of the 30 Days to Grow Salon Challenge. One last thing before the sign-off, don't forget to head over to forest.com forward slash FM to uh, get today's transcript or subscribe to the show's email newsletter. And as always, if you want to share your thoughts on Forest FM or this episode specifically, send us an email at forestfm at forest.com or you can also leave us a review on Apple Podcast. Otherwise, stay safe and catch you next Monday. This episode was edited and mixed by Audio Z, Montreal's cutting-edge post-production studio for creative minds looking to have their vision professionally produced and mixed. Great music makes great moments. Forest FM, the Salon Owners Podcast, is brought to you by Forest Salon Software. Get your clients back in more often, spending more, and generating referrals. Let's grow.